Welcome to the Gamers Grotto, brought to you by the Doctors of Gaming. Our sponsor, as well as our host, uh, having video game reviews and blog site. Also, our Discord channel, which you can chat up during these recordings, or tune in to any one of our Twitch channels as well. Uh, we are here to scratch your itch uh, for gaming. Uh, current day consoles, all the way to games of the past. And here to bring you company tonight, we have Steve. Hello. Paul. How's it going, everybody? And myself, Justin, who's doing the talking right now. And we're all certified gaming experts, and we all have borderline uh, gaming hoarding tendencies. So that's what we have there. And then for our, this is our episode one. And then uh, for topic for today, I actually have a, a placeholder here. I suppose we could fix it in post, but it's kind of fun keeping it in. But did, did we decide, I know we were chatting back and forth, did we decide we're going to talk retro games and their difficulty? I'm prepared. I'm always yeah, that's fine to by me. Retro games you guys are more experts on that than mm -hmm. me, but you're Excellent. good. So if you do choose to skip ahead probably 15 or 20 minutes, we will be talking about retro games, specifically probably NES-style uh, games, pros and cons to what makes them so enjoyable or frustrating, our take on that. As we kick off every episode, we like to talk about what we've been playing currently. So... Um, I'll be selfish since I'm already talking, and uh, I'll just jump into to what I was doing here, and then uh, I'll I'll switch back back to you guys, whoever wants to go next. But I um I pulled out an old an old classic, uh, Burnout Paradise, uh, but it's on the on the Switch. Um, I was Ooh. itching for some arcade style racing. You, have you guys played that? I, I played always, the original one. I haven't played it on the Switch. Mm. I've always wanted to play a Burnout. I actually, never have. Maybe. Maybe an old Xbox One a long time ago, but I hear really good things about the games and well, definitely want to. I like those arcade, uh, arcadey racers. There's a, I do have a fun story uh, I can tell now because I think the game's been out for like 12, I think it came out in like 08, the original. I think it's but been out that, longer than that. I think, is that right? Really? Well, no, no, Paradise. Sorry, Burnout Paradise. Yeah, not Paradise the, is, uh, was on the 360. That's, I think it's 08. All right, Paul, you look that up while I tell this this uh, ridiculous story. So uh, so it was on the 360 originally. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say 360 first, but I'm not positive on that. It was that generation. So anyhow, I, um, I was playing the game, and every time you crashed with someone who was online, it would take a snapshot with your 360 camera. So let's just say I was playing with a friend of mine and he would send them a, an inappropriate photograph every time I would smash into people. And we spent an <laughs> afternoon doing that and it was really entertaining and immature. But uh, Oh, the good old uh, Xbox 360 horrible camera that it had. Oh, that little square. Yeah, low <laughs> and res. And you camera. were right. It is 08. But yes, yes that, that horrible camera, because I remember using it for See? Rainbow Six Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, yes. the camera made me look like I had a freaking pantyhose stocking on because yep. you could put it on your uh, yeah. player character model. Yes, and it would it would blur it almost. So it was, uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I do remember that. But yeah, so anyhow, I did that, and then I dabbled a little in this MMO called Zenith on VR, which I'll, I got to play more before I can comment on it. But I thought Paradise was a good one that I pulled out of the cracks to to play because it's uh, it's a good. I mean, Paradise is a great game. I it runs really well on the Switch. Nice. Uh, so if you're looking for a mobile, I mean, if you're going to play it on a screen, I would say play it on one of the other systems because it's a little more crisp. But uh, handheld is fantastic. Well, they remastered that game too, I believe, for the newer systems. They did, yeah. And I think um, 
with the remaster, they had a bunch of DLC because they really kept that game alive for years after. But yeah, the remaster contains a whole bunch of content, and it's fun. It's um, I mean, it, it does feel a bit dated after playing Horizon, but but yeah, it's pretty good. So, who wants to uh, who wants to talk about what else they've been playing? Because I know we were texting a little bit this week. Sure. All right. So I'll start with modern games that I'm playing with, and I'll save the yeah. retro talk till we're ready to transition into difficult retro games because I'm definitely doing those right now. Um, in terms of modern games, yesterday I just finished, as in I just saw the credits roll in Pokemon Sword. That's not... Oh. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo Switch. So, not Arceus, or however you pronounce that, that just came out. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Sword Shield, I played Sword. I played through in anticipation of Arceus because I hadn't played this pre- previous generation. Um, long story short, I thought it was a really good game. It was a lot more streamlined than previous Pokemon games. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I thought it was neutral, personally, in terms of uh, it being streamlined. But overall, it was a really fun Pokemon game. Exactly what you'd expect out of a game like that. It was a bit on the easy side. Now, I don't play Pokemon games looking for an extreme challenge, you know. No Dark Souls Pokemon. No, no, although I would play that. I would be all aboard for (laughs) Dark Souls Pokemon. But um, in comparison to previous generations, Pokemon Sword felt a little bit easier. I think that A, it was streamlined, and B, there's your party levels up together. So like when you kill another Pokemon or win a battle, your entire party gets experience. And that makes for a more robust, stronger lineup. And I think that's what made it significantly easier because I I always had an answer to pretty much any type of Pokemon that a challenger was going to throw at me because all of my Pokemon were leveled up. And furthermore, in this game, the Pokemon, they have like three, four different types of moves they can do. They're not just pure fire. You know, they're they're fire, they're fighting, and they're a fairy. You know, it's it's did now it's over. Did they force you to? Because the one thing that I and I've played a little bit of the Pokemon games, not not a ton, sure. but so did that force you to change your roster? Because I felt like in the older games, I remember when people would talk about it, it sounded as if you had your you know your A plus roster and you just went with that throughout the whole game. No, you could still do that, and that's pretty much what I did. And it's even easier to do that at least in Pokemon Sword, because your entire party levels up together all the Pokemon get experience mm-hmm. when you even if they didn't enter the battle. A Oh wow. Right. So okay. that's what I meant about like shared experience. Oh, I you know what, for some reason when you said that I was thinking it was just the you know, if they were all in the same party and they didn't fight or something. If you were just if you were doing the grinding through like a low level, sometimes you don't have to switch, you know? Yeah, my fault I probably could have been a little bit clearer. But uh so yeah. that that's how that is and then all of your different Pokemon have different types of moves. So you can have one Pokemon with three different types, you know, fire, fighting, and rock, you know. So your, your bases are well covered, and that made for what I thought was an easier experience. But good game. Definitely check it out if you haven't. Nice. Uh, if you haven't played it before entering into Arceus, I would recommend it. It was a good game. I'll probably revisit it. Try to, There's an epilogue that I'm going to 
try to catch Visit. try to catch them all, Steve. I might because my my daughter does get a kick out of catching Pokemon, so mm-hmm. and that one we we can put on the big screen. This is the first yes. Pokemon game that you know officially could be played on your television. So that's true. So yeah. I'll be going back to it. Then. Nice. So for me, since the last podcast, I've been mainly doing PC. I mean, in my current situation with my foot, I can't do much. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to do some mobile VR games, I see. Nope, and it's um, killing me not being able to do the VR right now. But um, since our last talk, we were talking mm-hmm. about Resident Evil and everything, so that made me break out re- the Resident Evil remake. Oh, The wait, original the one first... on PC. Yeah, that came out yeah, oh, in nice. 2015, I believe. So I've been yeah. playing through that, nice. been realizing how much I hate playing as Chris sometimes with a limited... Uh, the limited inventory. Oh, so yeah, the, the um, God, and the uh, this it still has the typewriter for saves, right? Yep, the typewriters and the ink, yep. uh, the the typewriter ribbons that you need. Yep, the consumables for saving. Yes, yes, yes. Good stuff. yes. Um, and then I also did dive into, um, the forest, which it's been out for a while. It's new to me. Uh, got it on the uh the steam sale and also found a new game uh that you would like justin called wrench which is all about cars working on cars okay all right and those both have vr so i'm going to be visiting them again with vr too well the forest in vr i was going to add in there is a whole nother experience i know that in (laughs) co-op is so much fun and you can play with your non-vr friends yes that's what me and my friends have been doing my one buddy has been on strictly vr Mm-hmm. And I'm on PC, regular PC right now. And then I also did uh, start playing the new uh, Rainbow Six uh, Extraction, and I've been like, oh that. yeah, what what's your? T- I played a, a bit of that when it came out uh, on Xbox Game Pass. What's your take on that so far? It's a lot more in depth than what I thought it was. There's a lot more to it. I thought it was just a few areas and whatnot, but I mean, I've played it. Basically, suffice it to say, me and my buddies got our butts kicked. We didn't realize that it's more tactical than what you would think. You got to make sure you check everything out and everything. We went in guns blazing. We got down in the first 20 seconds. So, so the thing that I don't get, Steve, are you familiar with the Rainbow Six titles at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so like the amount of tactical prep that took in those games was kind of a turnoff, but it's what made them what they are, at least for me, I think. No, same Um, here. I messed around with it. I think um, one of the, I think it was just called Rainbow Six. It was one of the first very popular online first person shooters. It was, yeah. And I messed around with it a little bit at that point, but it wasn't long after that that other massively played online first-person shooters came out and pretty much usurped that for me and you know counter-strike existed before that i'm talking about console first-person shooters with um with those games so same same with me the overly tactical preparation was a little bit of a turnoff for me but i knew people that were very very much into it well, I think that's why this latest one cracked me up because they advertised it as like this alien invasion sim, and then when I played it, they still had the same elements as the the most recent release in the series, which did require you prep time. You can't just go in and run a gun. And I just thought it was funny because the you know 
the nature I, I probably won't put this eloquently but the nature of games that have aliens for example are especially first person shooters is going to be your run and gun zombie horde mentality and this game's very much not that and it yes just, very much not that it's, it can work for it I, I suppose um and i think i like that it's on game pass because i don't think i would have even bought this to try it unless i saw some killer reviews so i mean i'll definitely give it a give it a shot uh pun intended but uh yeah i thought it was really an odd an odd mix. I don't know. It still might be a sleeper if the if the community gravitates Once you, to you it. get into it, I'm actually really starting to dig it. It's it's pretty good. Once you start leveling up and everything. Interesting. While we're on the topic of new games, I did start playing Lost Ark today, which did release in early access today. Oh. And so, now, am yeah. I confusing this with Ark, the the, yeah. the dinosaur totally game? Which one? So. Okay, so what are we what are we dealing with here? MMO, right? Yes. So, so Lost Ark is an MMO ARPG, and the best way to describe that is it's an action RPG in the same vein of Diablo, Path of Exile, but okay. it is I would say primarily an MMO. So there are it, it's a large open world that you can roam okay. around in. Um, everything is when you're navigating this world there are other people walking past you you're not just in an instance or a or a procedurally generated map like you see in Diablo or Path of Exile it really is an open world MMO in that way but the wow. the looting and the battling system the battle system or combat is an action RPG like you have like 6 to 8 skills you right click you mash there aren't massive hordes like you see in something like path of exile but they're they're plentiful enough to qualify as an action rpg i would say but then there there are quests like collect 10 seeds so i can plant them in my garden that's not something you get in diablo that's not something you get in exile that's the true Mm -hmm. mmo rpg experience with countless npcs very detailed quest lines side quest ad nauseum it truly is a blend of those two genres and so far i love it because as we discussed in the last episode yep. those are two of my favorite genres and my first so, three to four hours of play excellent sorry go ahead who no I, my my question my follow-up to that is so the game that promised that kind of experience this is way too far in the past to even be close to this but was guild wars the original if you remember that it was more of a third person perspective but it sold itself as a diablo action-based pseudo mmo i'd say it was definitely not by you know today's standards or even standards then i would say it was more of like a pve it was like a pve uh pvp as well but yeah they added uh, the pvp later in i believe in the first one yeah, the first one, yeah, because when it went in, I got some good stories about that game, but that, uh, I was going to say, is it in that vein, did you play those at all, Steve? Is it in that vein of combat, or how, you know? I don't know, I've never played Guild Wars. I oh, do know okay, that mind. it was supposed to be sort of a blend like you're describing. I don't think mm-hmm. it's had as much attention as Lost Ark is getting early on, as in like today, but I mean, they literally had a couple yeah. million people log in today. Wow. And, um... 
Guild Wars, I know that there are still some faithful players, though. So that might yeah. be another one worth checking out. But unfortunately, I'm not able to compare gameplay with that game. Okay. Looking from, I, from watching yeah. your stream, they are different with combat and everything. Like, it's the the whole overlay is completely different. And just looking, I was watching your stream today, reminds me looking at a Diablo style view um especially like maybe when i watched uh you guys play like diablo 3 or something um yeah i don't know if they really you can compare the two because it's to me it feels like it's such a different view alone because i know like i know with guild wars you did have still uh like a spell book so you weren't just tied to six moves you could change yeah. how everything it was i don't know if that's mm-hmm. how lost ark is going to be later on where you can change out those six moves but that uh is one big thing that i did notice did unlock a few extra skills as time went on um but it is an isometric somewhat top-down view and that is very similar is it- to path of exile and um, because we're the audio format and we can't show are the gen are the are they doing are they going with a dark theme or is it more you know cartoonish of like diablo 3 esque or is it more like path of exile where it's a little more dark and i don't know if you want to say realistic but yeah so it's i think trending more dark there are demons it's a it's a dark storyline of you know the end of days uh, there are a lot of religious undertones it's not cool. quite as grungy and as hellish as diablo which you know is literally named the devil in spanish that's what diablo means in spanish so <laughs> i mean diablo. it's not quite as edgelord as that but it, it it's it's on the darker side i would say it's not um it's not cutesy cartoony experience yeah like torchlight yeah and aesthetically speaking it's beautiful I mean, it's it's the best looking game of that type that I've seen. So, so is it only uh, PC then? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, it's going on the Guild Wars trend where it is supposed to be free to play, correct? It's just yeah. To get this early access, you got to buy the Founders packs. It's free to play three days or... from now. Yeah. So yeah. If you okay. wanted to play as early as today, you had to buy a Founders pack for early access. But literally, it's free to play on Friday. Came with other perks and stuff, you know, like a nice mount and cosmetic things, but that's Well, it. I know what I'll be trying out Friday, at the very least. <laughs> I will so. send you a guild invite. Yeah, yeah will, I'm, I've already it. got it preloaded. I'm still on the fence whether or not I want to buy the Founders Pack 15 or bucks, man. It's, uh, but well, the thing is, the, the different tiers, of all the different day? things that you get, it's like, yeah. what do you oh. want to spend? Oh, I'm a total See, degenerate. I... I spent the 400. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm oh. a total degenerate. That's okay. I you're you're talking to a guy. I, I paid to get Forza early. You know, like bought the whatever edition. Oh, you're that same uh, here. I mean, I'm. It's pathetic. I, I <laughs> um. All right, so moving on to our so we've got some headlines this week that I think it's it's worth riffing on before we get into our uh, we'll give our we'll I'll I'll put like a eight minute time limit on here. We'll see if we can keep it under ten minutes. But there's a couple of big headlines that dropped this week that I think are worth mentioning. So uh, I think the one that I'm most fascinated in is the Xbox acquiring Blizzard. 
um, as I'm appropriately wearing my Overwatch hat. I, uh, I kind of want to see what your guys' take is because I've had many a sidebar conversations. I think my phone blew up with every group of friends that I know, gaming and otherwise, you know, asking me what, you know, what, you know, what do you think of this merger and all this? And I felt like Blizzard was, it was kind of a shell of the, of the company it once was to begin with. So I feel like this acquisition is just, they're just buying IPs from Blizzard. And I mean, they'll probably, you know, they'll probably pump some juice into all the existing ones, but I feel like the joy of Blizzard is probably gone. And I think it's kind of hard to articulate that outside of just the storytelling and the visuals and the attention to detail that blizzard tends to put into their franchises or at least did for a fair amount of their existence i feel that we can rest easy that that probably won't exist anymore but i think the ips will continue to be there from here out i don't know what you guys think well there's a lot to think about here and sony also bought bungie recently so this trend is really snowballing right now and I think what everybody's worried about is, you know, are these the end times of gaming? Is it just going to be one big corporate AAA shit yeah. fest? Excuse my French. Or one big corporate snooze fest. Um, I think that's what people are worried about. Is ingenuity going to go away? Is everything just going to be market research driven? Dribble? That's uh-huh. what people are worried about. And I have those worries... I, I think that gaming is going the way of a lot of major industries where larger entities are eating smaller entities, just like we're seeing with Microsoft and Sony right now. Don't you think, though, that... Uh, see, I feel like with that, there's been this... I know us being enthusiasts, I always felt like there's been a resurgence of older games and indie developers over the past, I'd say probably past decade or so. Yeah. I just feel like these large acquisitions... like. I think you're right. I think the snooze fest is coming for a number of AAA titles because we see it. I mean, we all laugh about it. You know, we'll play the games, but like, you know, there's a, we could probably rattle off 10 titles right now that come to mind that are just, you know, they're annual or every couple year releases and it's just the same old stuff Um, or unfinished products from big studios, all that other stuff. But I feel like the, the barrier to entry, I think is what I'm looking for, for these independent smaller studios is much easier than it was uh, you know, 20 or 30, probably longer than that, probably like 30 years ago. I, I, cause I keep my eye on some of these independent, not independent, I guess, but these big name guys and, and stakeholders that leave these bigger companies. Like I'm interested to see where Jeff Kaplan goes from, uh, yeah. you know, the Overwatch team. Like what project is he going to oversee or, uh, David Jaffe, who is responsible for Twisted Metal series. I keep an eye on what his projects are. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, it's just creating this huge, you know, there's going to be a huge uh, divide between the two, but I, I don't know if it means that game. I don't think gaming's going anywhere. But no, well, I don't. I don't think that people me. are worried that gaming's Go going ahead. somewhere. I think they're just worried that it's turning towards a corporate drone uh, sort of yeah. presentation. Sorry, Paul. Go ahead. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I also saw that. Before this acquisition, Microsoft wasn't even one of the top three gaming companies. One of the top three big gaming companies. Like earners? Just uh, production-wise, I forget what they were saying. Um, but Probably uh, publishers, right? Pu- yeah, like maybe publishers it was. So I mean, I'd, I'd believe that. 
I mean, they. I mean, they do have big games that they publish, but I mean, I. Think but if you look on the scale of, I think Sony was is one of the was one of the major top threes before all this oh. compared to them. The amount of titles that Sony has, if you look at, if you look at like your your launch titles for a lot of these consoles and stuff, a lot of people say that usually PlayStation has more launch titles than an Xbox system. I had to look it up. I, I try not to do this too much, but so according to let's see here, uh, let me make sure it's right here. Gaming design by let me see if these work. Top ten by game game game. Daydeveloper.com, gameplaydeveloper.com. So maybe this is right. They've got your top, the most popular game development companies in 20, going into 2022. So we've got Rockstar, which is fascinating to me. And then a few I've never heard of. Nine Hertz, iTech Art, Gameloft I've heard of, EA's on there, Nintendo, Ubi, Sony, Activision, Epic, Zero Games. But yeah, you're right. I guess Microsoft doesn't fall on there. And then I see another list from a website I'm not familiar with. Microsoft isn't on there, but Activision is. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's a good point. And I know a lot of people are talking with all these acquisitions, like everybody's starting to freak out. Oh, what about there goes the console exclusivity or now they're going to console exclusive. And I think, if I read correctly, I think that microsoft said for at least the call of duty series i think the next four are still going to be multi-console uh titles they never they didn't go roadmap past that i don't think but see even even if they were so like let's let's say they do right there will definitely be another multi-console shooter that'll take the spot yeah you've got i mean battlefield that last one is rough but uh, but yeah, like your popcorn shooters. Yeah, there'll be another one to take the spot. But I mean, I mean, me personally, yeah. I think this is my own personal opinion that the Call of Duties, the Battlefields, they have been becoming very lackluster. They have fallen off my top shooters. So, hold on, let's think about this. So uh, we got our three. We'll throw PC in there too. So let's say we got four platforms, right? So we got our four platforms. The exclusives for each one of those, what I find most fascinating, the only ones that are truly exclusives, and I mean truly, are Nintendo's franchises. Because now they're starting to see even the PlayStation games move to the PC. And I I mean, I know it it I know there's a way to figure out, you know, hey, if they pay to get it on their platform, like MLB I assume worked that way, where PlayStation whatever the deal was i don't know it was like well if we charge them x amount we'll, we'll it's we'll make more than if we keep it exclusive to pull people to our council which i don't know how to project that but i'm a, i can only assume that's how they did it you know to come up with whatever that that math is but the idea of exclusives per council i mean i that would be interesting if they all of a sudden there's a big rift and we start to notice more, because I feel like the number of exclusives on each console, I mean, you could hold them in your hand except for the Nintendo, right? I totally yes. agree. Yeah. I mean, peace. Yeah, now I mean, nowadays, yes. Yeah. It might be changing with all these big acquisitions and them trying well, to draw the line in the sand, like it seems like they're doing. It, that may change. I don't I, know, but yeah, the trend I, over recent years is that exclusives were, are kind well, of a thing the thing that passed save Nintendo. The yeah. trends that I've also seen is your exclusivities aren't on the games. They're on the DLC or the extra content. 
Yeah. I mean, well, like, I you've seen that... it with the Call of Duties where yeah. it's, oh, Xbox is, I forget which Call of Duty it was, Xbox is getting this DLC four months before PlayStation, yeah. and then it went back that the next one or the two down the road, uh, PlayStation is getting this one uh, before Xbox and uh, Microsoft and whatnot. They, I, but I feel, I feel like that was a stopgap before they had the data to really say whether or not something should like if they could justify doing an exclusive release yeah because it it yeah because those deals were struck that the exclusive ones were also struck with like the uh distributor of the items at least when they were physical copies so it'd be like if you buy at walmart for the xbox you get this skin if you buy at gamestop with this console you get this skin and i think those were just creative ways to maybe you know see where their buyers are but they're still doing I, that though they are. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Look I guess at Forza. Are, huh? You buy it at yeah. Walmart. You get this car. You get this yeah. car from buying from Microsoft.com. This car yeah. from buying from Best Buy. Mm. Damn. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we sound like such... Uh, I mean, I feel like everybody says this with every... Art, I say artistic medium, meaning music, uh, you know, painting, and so forth. It's like, leave it up to the big companies to suck the fun out of it. And... Um, there's some element of that happening here, but also here's here's my other thought, guys, and I might be alone on this. Is so with the big studios, and I there's a few games that come into mind. I think of Sucker Punch doing uh, Battle of Tsushima, Horizon Dawn, which is PlayStation Studio. I don't know the is that Zero Dawn or no? Who's the who's the developer for uh, Horizon? Uh, Horizon Dawn, not not Forza Horizon, but not sure I, right off the top of my head. My my point is, is they have the financial backing of these giants, right? Like, I don't think uh, Battle of Tsushima would be the 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 technical masterpiece it is without having the financial backing. The the, the gameplay might exist, and they might be able to come up with something, but I I still think that there's something to be said for these big budget titles that come out of these big studios that they do have potential to really have unlimited spend and come up with something crazy. Um, but I just think there's less of those, I'll say, than there are of creative... Because the creative indie titles, I feel there's so many that come out of these one, two-person studios. This, this MMO I was talking about that's in VR, I think it's a studio of like 12 people. And it's, you know, it doesn't look like the best thing you've ever seen in VR, but it's very... Very clean, polished, and the mechanics are sound. But I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we'll all win. But that's the end of my rambling thought. No, that that is something that could be a positive that comes out of this. Because these large studios, if they let these smaller studios sort of still live in their own culture, do their own thing, and they have kind of a hands-off approach, and they just provide them with funding, that means that the creativity can theoretically stay the same, just with larger bank accounts. So, yeah, we could see things in a positive direction in that sense. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima was a was a good example. But it wouldn't have existed if I mean, I don't know. I felt like Infamous was their step into those you know next gen games, and that Battle of Tsushima is just I don't know, it just comes into mind. It's such a polished game. But I am going to put a fork in in that discussion and and save us some time for our for our retro so i'm gonna let steve i want you to to kick this off and then i'm i've got questions and comments that i think i've i still want to ask when you're done 
You got it. So we're talking difficult retro. And define. Let's let's define our variables real quick. So define retro. Sure. And then so let's let yeah. So go ahead, go with that, and then let's let's use that as our jumping sure. off point. So different people define retro differently. Some people only count the cartridge era as retro. Some people do it by how many generations have passed since the modern generation to consider things retro. I like the latter, and I consider things that are at least two generations or older to be retro. That, to me, feels retro, whereas mm -hmm. something the generation prior might have been like 10 years ago, something like that not quite as retro but truth be told it's a subjective measure and there is often not a complete agreement on what is truly retro or not now of course pretty much everybody agrees that the 8 and 16-bit era eras were retro so there are things that are very clearly retro and then there's gray area and i think that those categories change over time as more generations come out gamers age new generations of gamers develop nostalgia for things like the Nintendo Wii, for example. I, I see gamers on social media thinking back to their child Wii days, you know, and I was we were all grown adults mm -hmm. when the Wii came out. Mm -hmm. I was young. I was a young adult, but I was an adult. So Yeah, the, technically an adult. Yeah, right. I over 18. Term varies from person to person. For my purposes, I like to consider things that are two or more generations. So that would mean 360 PS3 era would now be retro. It feels weird to say that. I won't lie. I, I was yeah. I was college age when those came out. So I, I was already a young adult. So it doesn't feel that long ago to me. But reality, guys, is that 360 came out about 16 years ago. I mean, it, it was that long ago. It could drive a car. <laughs> yeah, it could. Today's standards. And that's, that's how you, that, yeah. I mean, if that's not retro, I don't know what is. You know, it's, it's, it's subjective, but that's how I define it. And, um, that's I'm what with I'll be you. sticking I'm with you on that. All right. That's the definition we'll be working. When we think about retro games and the difficult ones, you can point out some that were just a couple generations ago. Uh, even this previous generation, which I guess isn't retro. So there are some more recent games that are notoriously difficult, but the largest density of the notoriously difficult games are in the mostly the 8-bit era, some 16-bit era stuff. Um, but the density of those difficult games really lie in the, in the old uh, Wild West days of gaming. So well, one of the things that I think makes that also those harder is a lot of those when they first came out didn't have save systems. That's what makes it harder. True. Where you well, had was, to you had to beat them yeah. or it was yeah. you die and you you have no continues. So there were a few things and theories behind that. Some definitely confirmed by industry leaders. They wanted games to be difficult back then because Truth be told, those games didn't last very long from start to finish if you were able to beat them. They're only 30 minutes long. Yeah. You know? They weren't that long. So how did they get people to spend 60, 70 bucks on a brand new game? Make it really difficult so that you spend literally hundreds of hours until you're able to finish it and move on to the next thing. A, B, I've heard people theorize that 
they wanted to still keep people in the arcades that they didn't want their arcade profit going away so they made games difficult at home i i don't really buy that theory as much but it's a theory a lot of theories out there then there are just technical constraints like paul was saying the battery save didn't come out till a little bit late in the 8-bit era that wasn't a feature there were passwords uh although imperfect but really it was the continues that was sort of um the limiting factor there now there are also games that have unlimited continues that are actually very very hard and i can talk about but that's pretty much the layout here i would say that if we're to be time sensitive here on this discussion the density really lies in those older games and there's a reason why they call it nes difficult or nes hard and it's because a lot of games on that console were very very hard and to think they only had uh, one directional pad and two action buttons <laughs> right yeah it's yeah. simple but not and, and what do they say about those games easy to pick up difficult to master or something like that i know i'm botching that yeah. a little bit but uh that's no, so that's true accurate. it's so true without further ado do we hop into some of the games yeah let's do it all right well i have plenty to say i don't know if anybody else wants to throw out some ideas and i can fill in the gaps and this is a topic that I'm passionate about, obviously. So, near and dear. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're you're gonna be for sure hit some, most yeah. of them on my list. Yeah. All right, let's do round robin. Paul, throw us a difficult game. I mean, this is one that you're currently been talking about playing, Battletoads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. What did I steal yours? No, no, no. no I, got I, got, I got other ones. Yeah, we all got that. Uh, but that yeah. that's a game that. I love to play, and it's one of the, it's a very hard game. R- riding those, uh, I guess you want to call them those jet ski style uh, vehicles. You know how many times you would crash into a wall or mistime a jump, and the controller would go flying. I mean, I love those days, but it was such a hard game. Yeah, that's probably one of the ones that really sticks out for me because I always love playing that that uh series of games i mean i totally agree i think battletoads may be the most difficult game that i've ever personally tried to tackle i original yeah original nes well no i was gonna say the original ninja turtles on nes there was a that underwater diffusing the bomb level pretty terrible i don't think quite as bad as battletoads but pretty yeah that one i think my brother and i actually taped a a sheet of paper over the timer or whatever it was that was counting down so it didn't distract us because we actually played better. I think that was the <laughs> Well, yeah, that that's one of the things. It gives you that distraction and yeah. it makes you feel that constraint and feel rushed, and that's where you make a lot of mistakes. Paul, how far did you get in Battletoads? Whew, it's been a long time since I played Battletoads. What's after Probably... What's after the water level? It's not a water. Are you talking about one? Turbo Tunnel? They just look like... Yeah, it's not jet skis. I, that's the only thing that I could think of. Uh, was it the uh, going down the tube next after no, that? No, the tube, I think, was the second one. That's in the beginning. Was it? No, no. Those are yeah, the two so... levels that stick out to me. Maybe it was the, the sixth level, I think, maybe, but I can't remember, recall right off yeah, the top Yeah, I head. understand. The, the second level, you're kind of dropping down a hole, and you're fighting birds yeah. Okay, and with stuff. the birds Pretty easy. Stuff. It's not okay. that bad. 
Turbo Tunnel is the third level. Yeah. It is not. Yeah, it's it's Ragnarok's Canyon, Wookie Hole. Yeah, the whole Turbo Tunnel. Turbo Tunnel. Arctic Caverns. Surf oh, I City, hated Arctic Caverns. Karnath's Lair, Volkmir's Inferno, and the Intruder <laughs> Excluder. Oh, there's more than that. There are 12 levels. Why does it have eight? Oh, uh, maybe I mean, is I, it split it into two parts, maybe, or something? Maybe that's just if areas? If you made it this far... No, yeah, you're right. Then we got nine, Terra 2, yeah. 10, Rat Race, 11, Klinger Winger, and 12, The Revolution. Yeah, so I've... I've been working on this game over the past two weeks maybe i play a couple runs a night uh that's about all i can tolerate and honestly my left Ooh. thumb gets numb towards the end of this that's so ridiculous Ooh. yeah so i you know i limit my exposure to this over these two weeks the farthest i've gotten is the eighth level i i don't know which one that's called but it's one of the that's intruder excluder yeah so you have to send oh. this tower and i've made it to the boss i just died at the boss I think I could beat I, him, but uh, that's the farthest yeah. I've made it so far. Um, but Mine may have been Surf City, because I'm just looking at which one I remember, and I remember the surfboards. Yeah. And then that might have been it. Well, that would mean that you're ahead of 90% of gamers, because most people don't beat Turbo Tunnel. That's the God. notoriously difficult level. And yeah. as somebody, a friend of mine said very well that that's kind of the meme level but what little do people know the rest of the game is actually quite a bit harder than that level i think i was gonna say i think my brother and i the way we did this one is we might have just ma just memorized it or mapped oh yeah it you have to the, the, what yeah, makes you can't right absolutely and I, I think that it was uh one of avgn's crew members that said it perfectly it's difficult in both ways. You have to memorize patterns that are just flat out unfair. That if you don't have them yeah. memorized, you couldn't possibly beat it just on reflexes alone. But then you have to execute it. It's not just about memorization. It's about memorization now now do it. Now you have to actually execute, you know, within two frames. Yeah, especially yeah. that timing. Yes. yes. Especially it's, some of those jumps, some of those moves yes. to uh, avoid those walls. There's that and then every level is pretty much completely different than the rest of it so it goes from a beat-em-up to uh like racer almost with obstacles to um a platformer and complicated platforming too it, it's all over the map it's a wacky game i think it's very charming it is a lot of fun very difficult yeah. very difficult so is it well i guess you're still working on it i'm interested to see if you think it's it's one of those that you should put in your category of it's beatable. Just give it some time or don't even mess around with it. I mean, unless you're serious, I think it's, you have to be serious. If you really want to beat this oh. game, it's not something that you're just going to casually do. I think you'd have to play consistently and have a lot of will to get through it. I think any game's beatable for any, any gamer really that Ooh, interesting. it is. It's just a matter of, yeah. of will time energy yeah, drive that, that sort of stuff like i i believe yeah. that's my opinion on video games if you're a somewhat experienced gamer um anything's beatable it's it's, it's just a question of will and pushing forward now you may not beat it on your third fourth fifth sixth tenth attempt you may not be a yeah. world champion speedrunner, but i think that 
you may beat it on your 100th, 200th, or 300th attempt, you know, it just, so your mileage will vary on how long that takes you, it's just, yeah. but you, I believe anything's possible, but this is a game that you're not gonna beat unless you're pretty committed to doing so. So that's a good one to talk about. You brought up Ninja Turtles, the first Ninja Turtles game. That's a very popular answer to this question. I do think that game is yeah. pretty darn difficult, especially the water level. I have not played this game seriously since I was a child, and when I was a child, I did not get past the WOM. So I, we go ahead. We tried once in college. I was gonna did say you? we. Okay. I know we. Yeah, we did one run. It was one buddy who's like, "We're gonna beat it. Today's the day," and we we didn't. Um, can't remember how far we ended up getting, but yeah, the water was I think when I was a kid too. I think that was the furthest we got, because you run yeah. out of you run out of turtles. But yep, because the overworld level. Uh, when you're running around with the turtle van, I remember spending a lot of time in that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then, yeah, the water level would just get stuck at every time. Every time. That I remember. I, I remember making it, like, real close to the end as a yeah. kid. Or at least what I perceived as close to the end of the level as a kid. Yeah. And just never making it. And just being defeated and being like, this game sucks. <laughs> so, I know. That one. Um, I, you know... I'm thinking it, the other thing that was that always crushed me, and I should go back and try them because I know they're beatable. Is the other series that comes to mind is the Mega Man series, and yeah. the the people who like those are really devoted, and they're just they're again to use your words like they're charming. They have a good aesthetic. They've got a neat idea that you can pick whatever boss level you want to fight. You know, it's very systematic how you go through it. It's not as like Ninja Turtles and and. Uh, Battletoads, right? You've got level design. It's you know it's varying gameplay. Whereas Mega Man's pretty consistent throughout, but it's it's using you know you do have the upgrade ability or upgraded abilities and such. But um, that one to me is a game that uh, always I've never beaten a Mega Man game. Um, I've always you know got in a few bosses deep and then then I lost it. I've always been attracted to that series. So that that's another one that, for NES era, I think of Mega Man. But Yeah, Mega Man absolutely belongs in that list. I think it's maybe a little bit easier than something like Battletoads or some of the other games that I'll bring up. Yeah. Perhaps maybe even the first Ninja Turtles. It's debatable. But those are very difficult yeah. games, especially like the end bosses are, are very difficult. Yellow Devil was an inf infamously difficult boss. He's the guy that looks like a big yellow laffy taffy looking stringy gumby looking guy and he throws pieces of his body at right. you oh it, it's very bizarre yeah it's a bizarre boss takes you way off guard your reactions are extremely tight that was not easy that was very difficult that's probably one of the most that was a long time ago uh, i have not actually seriously tried to beat a mega man game in a very long time kind of want to now that we're talking about i'm going it. to soon very yeah. soon. It may be the next game. I have one through four in the NES, so those are coming. I only have, yeah, the physical one I own, I think it's five or six. I, I don't oh, know. Those are like a little bit more expensive red. ones. That's nice. Well it, was, well, it was funny. That was, I think, the last new boxed NES game we got uh, when I was a kid. It was at a clearance bin at like uh, one of those toy stores in the mall. And that was, yeah, we got it. But yeah, it was five or six with a red cover. And it pissed me off because we had that box forever and clearly don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, can't talk about difficult games without 
bringing up Mega Man, and, yeah. and what an amazing franchise. Oh. Love it so much. The, um, uh, and uh, go yeah, I was gonna say you should probably add your go ahead and add your list because another one came into mind that I put in. Oh yeah, so right. Paul said Battletoads, you said Ninja Turtles. Okay, the next one yeah. I'll bring up is another very popular answer to this question, and that's Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden is oh, pretty oh, much yes. the entire trilogy in NES. Very difficult. Um, I have not played much of the second or third ones, but I did recently sit down and finally beat the first one, and it was a grind. Um, I will say right off, right off the bat, probably not as difficult as Battletoads. I, I think that that'll probably vary from person to person and like what your skills are. Um, I think I'm better suited for a game like Ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden is a very fast paced, frenetic, slashem platformer. Let's call it that. Side scrolling slash them up platform in competition. Does that one have infinite enemy spawns? Yes, and that's one like of the main enemy. reasons why it's extremely difficult, because if you... I hate that. That is my yeah, least favorite people hate that old it. game thing. Yes. Nuts. But there's just something... Yeah. The control on that game is so fine and just so... Um, what am I trying to say here? It's just so responsive. I love it, but... It's a very difficult game. One of the main reasons being what you said. If if you go backwards even a little bit, that enemy's coming back, no matter what. And it'll follow you throughout the Or, like, outrun it. That's one thing that makes it very difficult. It has really extreme knockback that will just push you into every little pit that you could possibly imagine. And the worst part about that game that makes it just almost unbearingly difficult is... The final boss is very difficult, but what makes it absurd is that if you die at the final boss, it sends you back three levels. Oh. Three levels. Those levels oh, are not easy at all. They're the hardest levels in the game, and they're, they're no joke. They're no joke. You have to grind your way all the way back to have a shot at the boss again, and the boss is three phases. It's not just one phase or two. Oh, man. Now, so I never played the NES Ninja Gaiden, so I kind of want to play them. I just know oh. based on reputation. So much but... fun. I, I definitely recommend it. You might lose your sanity a little bit when you get to the final uh, act. They call them acts. Act 6 has okay. 6 1, 6 2, 6 3, and then the final boss. But if you die at the final boss, you go back to 6 1. And that sucks. Oof. Now, there are infinite continues. So that's a plus. Makes it a little that's bit more positive. positive. Yeah. Honestly, that punishment is so bad that it, when you get back to set. When you get sent back to 6-1 for the first time, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth time, you're not going to have much run left in you anyways. It might be a little late. Yeah. You're going to be like, oh my god, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, Most yeah. people are probably going to turn it off. Uh, Is that on uh, Switch? Uh, online I don't know. For Nintendo? I don't know. I haven't messed too much with uh, I wonder. Switch. I was like, I might do a little rewind feature on that. It's so. a good one. So that's the first one. The second one is notoriously difficult because there are weather conditions that make it difficult like snow and wind and stuff like that and the third one is actually considered the hardest in the entire trilogy and that's because they went surprise limited continues now and that's uh, oh really that's too bad so uh ninja gaiden will be my pick pretty much the whole trilogy pretty difficult what else you got paul so you want one more then yep yeah do one so i mean one more. the one i mean 
I guess it did start in arcades, but I know this one was always a horror one for me was uh, Ghosts and Goblins. Oh, that that's one that most of the time when everybody anybody hears hard, that's one of the ones that I always hear people say. That is, I somebody gave me that for the PSP, and I, it, that's when I played it for the first time, and I it, I sucked. It was terrible, <laughs> and I then I realized that yeah no. But yeah, I think of the arcade immediately. But yeah, the port. I was gonna say it was NES was first, maybe. Well, no. it was originally an arcade game. Yeah. In Japan. Well, no, I meant arcade first, and then the first console to have it. Right? It wasn't probably a, there wasn't a version of it on the. Target. No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't believe shit. so. Yeah, I believe there, it was the first. Let's port see. You got it was on an arcade. Uh, Amstrad, CPC, Commodore. Yeah, the only right. Atari it was on was the Atari ST. Which is a computer, right? There's that yeah. one other weird Atari that was, one. Well, that, that was remember. a UK thing, I believe. Okay. So the first, after the arcade, it came to NES in 86. It was released in 85 yeah. and went on NES in 86. So, um, yeah, that, that was going to be my answer. Yeah. Don't worry, I have some backups. No worries. Everybody goes to ghost and goblins my experience with that is that it's one of the handful of games i owned as a kid and i'm not sure i ever made it past the first level as a kid and it wow, is not I, I ever made it past the first level that <laughs> is it is not a game i have tried to seriously tackle as an adult but i will say that i recently ordered it uh from an online social media group and it should be arriving Ooh. soon it was supposed to be the one after battletoads if i'm ever to beat battletoads We'll see. I might need a break from extreme difficulty after Battletoads. Um, maybe I'll do something just a tad bit lighter like Mega Man. Cool. But um, Tell you, difficult. I, if I can cap the discussion on a, on a game that is a feel-good, easy-to-beat title, and one of my favorite NES games is Life Force. If you use the Konami code it, with a buddy, it is extremely beatable, enjoyable uh, shooter and you can do it in an afternoon. Not probably less than that, but it's uh, that one. If you're feeling Steve, if you want to, you know, take a break from the difficult mm -hmm. games to beat, it's it's satisfying. Yeah, you can do it with the Konami code just fine. I don't know anyone that does it on the three. I won't use but... the Konami code. I, you know, but uh, oh, <laughs> uh, I'll give it a shot. I've actually never played that one. I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's fun. It's a uh, yeah. It's a Gradius. Uh, I can't remember. I think Gradius came first, but it's one of the oh, that's right. Series. That's right, right. Okay. Yeah, Excellent. and it's uh, it's called Salamander in Japan. There's yeah. There's an NES uh, version. There's a uh, arcade version. I, I remember you Nintendo. searching for that at MGC one year, I believe. Uh, I think I was looking for the I yeah one it... of the imports. Yeah, yeah, the import. The Salamander version. Yeah. Nice. Because I had the, yeah, that was one of the carts. I still don't know how we got it. And my brother and I, I cannot remember because it was definitely a borrow or a hand-me-down, but we played the crap out of that game. Really enjoyed it. But. Awesome. Well, do I have one left? And there are a lot of other really difficult ones. A few honorable oh, yeah. mentions. Adventures of Bayou Billy, Street Fighter 2010. These are all notoriously oh. difficult games. The Back to the Future games. I mean, Paperboy is absurdly hard. Yeah, Paperboy is a rough uh, one. Fester's Quest, notoriously difficult. A lot of these games, though, are difficult because they're just unfair and poorly designed. So I'm going to not pick those. 
That's where I was going to say. That's where I draw the line. If it's like a poorly designed game and it's not you yeah. died because of your own skill, that's right. where I... I don't have the patience. Silver for Surfer, another game like that. The Simpsons NES games. Not, all those ones are difficult, but for the wrong reasons. So I'll pick one that is difficult, but is fair, and I'll pick Castlevania. Uh, the first one? So I have not played much of 3, but I hear 3 is actually more difficult than the first one. I think they're similar, but I think 3 is more the, supposed to be the most difficult in the trilogy. I've only personally so went, okay. did a deep dive on the first one and beat it a little while back. Uh, and it was not an easy game at all. There's extreme knockback, just like in, in Ninja Gaiden, that makes it really, really difficult. There's some tough uh, platforming, and the bosses especially towards the end, are extremely unforgiving if you don't know how to exploit them. There are unlimited continues that helps a lot, and there's not that punishing thing at the end where if you die at the final boss, if you die at Dracula kicks you back. in Castlevania, it just starts you back at Dracula, which is pretty awesome. So it, it's definitely beatable, but it's, it's not an easy game, and there's some really... That penultimate boss, Reaper, is a notorious boss of uh, being really difficult... I would agree with that. But more so the little hallway leading up to Reaper, the gauntlet as they call it, with Medusa heads oh. and the Axe Knights. Very difficult. So, another really difficult game. I'll fire that one up on my Switch emulator. Because I, I don't own the cart for that first one. But. No, it's, it's not too expensive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, can't go wrong with the Switch. So, yeah, a lot, lot more games we could talk about, but I think we hit a lot of the, the big ones. And maybe in a future episode we could talk about more modern Difficult games, games like Dark, the Dark Souls franchise, Sekiro, and, you know, the Souls-like games. Cuphead is a notoriously difficult, more Neo. modern game. I, Neo was tough. Was, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Mm. So th those games exist, too. I will say that out of those, the only one that I've played a lot of and have actually beat is Cuphead. Cuphead's difficult, but it's not in. So... I'll finish on that. Fire that up. Yeah, I think we're we're at our our limit here. So I'll first thanks for tuning in and sticking with us as we work through all our kinks in the episode here. As you may have discovered, we are on Spotify and some more social media as time goes on. Um, and then if you would like to harass us during recording, uh, we will be up on Twitch during that. You can go to doctorsofgaming.com and you can find more info on where to follow the streams. And, uh, yeah, I think that's that's about all I have to say in our, our closing remarks. But until next time, we'll see everybody later. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Here comes the clap. Oh, yeah!